0: Christmas. Christmas. Hey, I want you to think about something related to that very first Christmas. I want you to think about this, and uh, we actually have it um, up on uh, the screen for you to read. There would be no wonder or beauty of Christmas. If Jesus came to a world that was already good, if it was already good, maybe where would the wonder be? Where would the magic be? Where where would the specialness of Christmas be? Listen, if people were already loving and kind, generous, good, if wars, famines, disasters didn't happen, if there was no darkness or pain or suffering or abuse. But guess what? That's not the world that Jesus entered. If the world was already like that, where none of those things existed and people were already fixed, good, healthy, and whole, then Christmas wouldn't be special. It would just be like another day. But that's not our world. We know from our own experience and from the world history around us that the world is broken and really filled with a great deal of pain. I believe it's this staggering contrast that actually makes Christmas so astonishing and beautiful. That Jesus was born into this ugly mess of a world that goodness itself came on that first Christmas. And it's this contrast that makes Christmas so amazing and so special the christmas story stands in glorious opposition to everything of darkness everything of evil everything that speaks to the maybe the bleakness of our current reality or to even maybe the crushing oppression that many in our world carry Christmas stands opposed to all of those things. Jesus' arrival was a victory shout. That mercy and grace will triumph over every bit of darkness and pain. And that God wins. The light and life will overcome all brokenness and death. That's what Christmas is about, and I think it's what makes it so special is this contrast between these things, our lived dark experience, and the hope and light of God coming to our story. And I believe it's this very contrast that has caused us for 2,000 years to celebrate this special occasion. Christ's birth, that first Christmas 2,000 years ago. God came down, not to condemn us, but to enter our story and to walk with us. And in a demonstration of absolute extraordinary grace, offers us this incredible exchange, our brokenness for his life. Now this contrast was seen very, very clearly at the first coming of Jesus But what we see all the way at the end of the story in the book of Revelation is that there's this contrast between dark and light shown very clearly as well. And if you've been tracking with us as a church family all year long, we have been reading through the New Testament together. Um, We've called it 260 because there are 260 chapters in the New Testament. So we've been reading five of those chapters every week and reading the entire New Testament together, which finds ourselves at the Christmas story, right? Revelation. Um, Just kidding. Uh, But we're going to find Christmas here. And that in Revelation, there is this contrast, just like when Jesus first came into our brokenness, we see this contrast between dark and light so vividly in the book of Revelation. And none more so than in the five chapters that we just read this week, Revelation 13 through 17. Man, show this contrast between the absolute darkness of evil being pierced and punctuated by this unbelievable light of heaven. So amazing. And what we read in these chapters is really dark because we're introduced to this character that you may have heard of before and hopefully read about this week called the beast. And many scholars believe that the beast is like kind of equates to the anti Christ. Everything that Jesus is not is represented in the beast. But what we read in these chapters is that the beast takes on all powers, both of religion and of government. So not only is he worshiped, but he like rules the whole world. Like it is impossible to stand opposed to the beast. It's a kind of futile, because it says that every nation is gonna end up serving the beast. Pretty dark, very evil because he stands opposed to everything that is good, everything that is healthy, everything that is right, especially anything to do with God or God's people. The beast is opposed, this evil, dark being. And in in fact, it says that unless people take on this mark of the beast, Right, this like the show of loyalty to the beast that you can't participate in anything of uh, buying or selling, and so it's like while wow, the world is just going crazy. So, in all this darkness, though, we see, in stark contrast, the light that comes from these visions that John is receiving of heaven. And in these same chapters, we we read about this amazing music that is coming forth, which I just love how there's over and over in Revelation there's this incredible music and singing. The music described here is like it's it's like he said it's like rushing water. He said it's like thunder, but he says it's also like Everybody like has these harps and it's like, so I don't know what he was picturing. They didn't have guitars back in that day. You know, so like I'm picturing like just this rock band, like as loud as thunder, as beautiful as rushing water, but these stringed instruments being played. And it's just beautiful. And there's also, he describes angels. And he also describes this, that there is this proclamation that justice is coming from the Lord. Justice is coming. And that God's judgment on all this evil and darkness that is coming against all of those who have participated along with this darkness and evil, that God's judgment that's coming is actually his justice. And so we get to this moment and it's in Revelation chapter 14. Verses nine through 11. And and it's gonna be about judgment against all those who participated in this evil and darkness. But I want you to look in particular at what this judgment feels like to those who are receiving it. John is writing about this vision of heaven. And he says, a third angel followed them because there's three angels in this part of the story. And it says, a third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast, and its image, and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. Now look at these interesting words. There will be no rest, day or night, for those who worship the beast and his image, or for anyone who receives the mark of its name. This judgment that God brings upon them, that they will have no rest, I think is very deep and captivating. If you think about... And imagine in your own life and your own story when you feel the most unrest, right? The most, it, un, this unrest. Maybe it's physical. Maybe, maybe you deal with something of pain or of disease or something, or you've gone through some real trauma and you think of like that unrest, even in your body. But at a deeper level where it creeps into your soul and that unrest is there like at a deep, profound emotional level, or even maybe unrest in your mind, and just maybe depression or anxiety, and all of that unrest that we've all experienced at some level, right? Whether physically, whether emotionally, mentally, maybe even relationally. Listen, that is the picture of hell. <laughs> that complete turmoil of unrest, but what has been removed is anything of God's grace. Like the opportunity to respond to God was there. It's been there all along. But those who have rejected it and followed another path, here represented very vividly by like worshiping the beast or taking on his mark, saying, no, we are standing with the beast opposed to everything about God and his people. Everything in goodness, everything that represents God's rest. That's the picture of hell. Complete unrest with all hope removed because it says that this is gonna go on forever and ever. But it doesn't stop there because I said there's this contrast that is being shown. And just verses later, like literally like a couple of verses later, we read this in Revelation fourteen thirteen. So right after he says, there's no rest for those who are gonna be punished for taking this wrong path. He says this, he says, then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. So we see this contrast, all of those who reject God's offer of grace and salvation, of light and life, they receive no rest. But those, it says, very interestingly, who die in the Lord, right? They're the ones that are actually going to receive God's rest. Now we might say, that's kind of weird. Like those who die in the Lord, I don't want to like die in the Lord to receive my rest. But listen to this, this is such good news. Why? Because for 2,000 years since this writing, people have been dying. I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you go through history books, everybody's dead, right? They all died. 100% certainty, they all died. How they died matters. Did they die without this hope within them? Where literally it says, blessed are those who die in the Lord. There's a blessing because there's a blessing like, I don't have to fear. I don't have to fear death. I actually have this hope that extends beyond this lifetime because when I die, I get to enter the rest that God has prepared for me. I get to enter his rest. And that, my friends, changes everything about how we live and how we die. Now, I love saying this. And every time we kind of get to Revelation or talk about Revelation, I remind our church of this fact and why this is really good news for us, even though we haven't died. Check this out. Not all of us in this room are going to experience the last days that are described in the book of Revelation. I mean, unless Jesus comes really, really soon, like maybe today, like not all of us are gonna experience like the beast and all these things and all the tribulation and turmoil that we read about in Revelation. Not all of us will, maybe some. But all of us will experience our last days, (laughs) right? Not all of us may experience the last days, but all of us will experience our own last days. And so when we read things like this, this promise that those people who die in the Lord are blessed because they know there's this hope of this eternal rest. All those things that have caused us unrest on this life, all of those things physically, emotionally, mentally, even relationally that cause unrest, all of those things in heaven, forever, removed forever. My friends, that is such good news. There is such hope that we have both for this life because what we're gonna see in the rest of the story is that actually that Jesus came on that first Christmas to bring such a deep rest that had not been experienced before and that is it is possible for us to enter into not just when we get to heaven, but we can experience it now. So, we're gonna take a little tour, a little, we're gonna tour the rest stops (laughs) that are talked about in scripture. You ready to to tour some rest stops? See what we can discover about this amazing gift, and then our final rest stop is actually gonna be at Christmas itself. But that's not where the story starts. The first rest stop, okay, is talked about way back at the beginning of scripture, actually in the second chapter of Genesis. And if you're familiar at all with like the creation narrative and this story about God creating the world, we get to the very second chapter of Genesis and come to this very famous passage. Genesis 2, 2 and 3 says this, on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work I love this. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. It was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Now listen, was God tired? Yeah, no. God was not tired. This is not talking about, oh man, oh angels, can you bring the fans out? Like, man, I've done some heavy lifting. Oh man, throwing stars and like making people and all those animals. Oh my gosh, I'm so tired. (laughs) Listen, God doesn't have a body like you and me. He don't get tired at the end of the work week. This is God we're talking about. This is speaking about something else. The rest that God is referring to here had to do with completion. It was complete. Another way to say it, wholeness, says that he completed that work of creation and it was finished, he was done. It was like God said, hey, I want you to notice something. No more is needed, it is all good. Let's take a moment to reflect on that. Let's pause and just wonder at the wholeness and completion of this universe. He wasn't tired. (laughs) He was done. He was complete. Things were whole. So much so that it says that God blessed that day. And he set it apart, calling it holy. So this rest is all the way from the very beginning of scripture. And then very quickly, he tells his creation, and you need to follow this practice as well. You have seven days to work but on that, or six days to work, but on that seventh day, I want you to do what I did. I want you to follow the same pattern. I want you to have this Sabbath day of rest. And all God's people said, amen. Come on, everybody. Whoa. Listen, human nature is to never stop. Human nature tells us that like, it's never done. It's never complete, it's never whole, right? And so there's this churning forward, there's this grind, we call it, right? But God's people said, no, we're gonna follow after God's example and his instruction. We're gonna rest in God. 52 days of the year, come on, that's like a month and a half of extra vacation time for anyone who follows after God. I love that. That's cool. Rest is important to God. And it's important to God's people. Then, on the next rest stop, it's a big one. Because God had promised his people, you might remember, the promised land. They were like had been slaves in Egypt for hundreds and hundreds of years. Guess what? Zero rest as a slave. You work seven days a week. Talk about the grind. They were literally grinding. They were, they were, I mean, they were just oppressed and they were the slaves of the Egyptians and a pharaoh. And so God miraculously sets them free, but he tells them, I have a land I have prepared for you. This is your new forever home. But listen to how he describes it when they're on their way, but they haven't yet reached the promised land. It's in Deuteronomy 12, verses nine and 10. And he says this, you have not yet reached the resting place. He's talking about the promised land. And the inheritance the Lord, your God, is giving you. Your inheritance, God is saying, is rest. This is my plan, this is my reward for you, is this deep wholeness. completion found in rest. But you will cross the Jordan and settle in the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. He will give you rest from all your enemies around you so that you will live in safety. So check this out. What we see here is that Rest, the blessing of rest is not just like pausing from physical labor, which is awesome, right? But this rest that he's describing is actually also this place of protection and safety where all conflict is removed. The blessing of rest is not just a pause from physical labor, but freedom from conflict as well. It is a description of true peace. See, there's this peace that I can experience both inside of me and a peace that is happening outside of me. That's a big deal. And it reminds me of the story of when Jesus was out on a boat with his disciples and this raging storm pops up on the waters. And all of a sudden, his friends, the disciples, you know what was happening, right? They were looking at those waves, which represents the conflict outside of me, right? That outer conflict. Whatever circumstance and storm you're going through, right? That's a pretty apt description. So there was this terrible storm raging around them. But then there was also this deep conflict going on within them, they were at unrest both out in the water and in their own soul because it says they were freaking out. They were afraid they were going to die. So what they do? Really smart. They cried out to the one on the boat who could fix the situation, who could bring rest to the situation. And so they do. And it says this in Mark 439. And Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace. Peace, be still. That's amazing. I love those words. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Now listen, yeah, the waves did calm. The wind did calm, which is beautiful and important in the story. But you know what's even more amazing is that that great calm didn't just happen outside the boat, it happened inside the boat. (sighs) Can you imagine the calm, the great calm that came within each one of the disciples? This rest, calm, peace. Because not only was the conflict gone outside of them, the conflict was gone inside of them because they knew they were with the one who could bring them rest even in the middle of the storm? What would this look like in your life? To have that kind of peace, to have this great calm in your home, at your place of work. What would it look like having this great calm at your school, in your classroom? Maybe in your neighborhood. Maybe within your own soul. What would this great calm feel like? I'm so grateful that the stories don't stop there because as we trace these rest stops through scripture, we find that there's actually a rest stop for you and for me. When we get to the book of Hebrews all the way Skip forward into the New Testament. The author of Hebrews is reflecting on this idea of rest. And he's, he's, he's thinking back to that first promised land. There was this place of rest for God's people. But then he says that, hey, guess what? There's another promised land coming and it's for you and for me. And it's also a place of rest. Listen to these words from Hebrews 4, verses one through 3 God's promise of entering his rest still stands say still stands. still stands this is for you and for me so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it yikes He's talking about the same kind of unrest that John saw in God's just judgment against those who had rejected God, who had rejected his plan, who had had rejected his offer of full and complete wholeness and life. He's saying, man, we we, we should actually walk in some fear, that we would be some of those who would not enter God's rest, but would live forever in this perpetual state of unrest. That should keep us awake at night. We should be thinking about that. We should be concerned. That we could live in that perpetual state of unrest is what the author of Hebrews is saying. But guess what, but there's a promise. This promise of rest that still stands for you and for me. So we ask, how do we get that? And he answers it by saying this. Only we who believe. Only we who believe can enter his rest. That's how to get it. (laughs) This rest, this deep, complete, and lasting calm. This peace that passes understanding, this, this rest that happens not just outside of us, but inside of us, comes one way. Put your trust in Jesus, just like his disciples did on that boat. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, there's conflict outside of me and inside of me. I need you. And God is offering us this true rest. Now listen, we can, we can try to mask the unrest inside of us, right? That's what people do. Even people outside of God, right, no connection to God at all? What are they looking for? I believe that ultimately people are seeking this kind of rest within their own soul. They search for it all different places. Some at work, right? Some in the bedroom, some at the bar, some just by filling, filling their life with so much activity and work that they're like, man, I'm just, if I just stay focused press on, earn some more money, whatever. And all of those things like do have some temporary benefit, but that's all it is. It's like masking something that is this deep conflict within us that is not lasting. It's at best a band-aid. Only God can bring this peace and this rest that is deep and complete and lasting. Now, final rest stop. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. That first Christmas. I want you to think about this. When Jesus came, he came into a place of great unrest. Israel, where Jesus was born, in Bethlehem, they were under complete Roman occupation. I mean, they they were... It's hard for us to imagine what that would be like. You know, it'd be like, you know, living in one of those places in the world where you're completely under totalitarian rule, like what Caesar says, you do, or you go to prison or you die. It was very ugly, very difficult, very challenging. And, you know, the Israelites had this rich history of, of not only of worship, but their culture was so deep and so rich And it was all coming into this conflict with being under the oppression of the Roman army. He came into a very dark time. People were seeking freedom. People were seeking rest. But he came into a place of great unrest. But he came. (laughs) God entered into our dark and burdened world. And listen to how the angels announced his arrival. Luke 2.14, the angels shocking these shepherds out on a hill in the middle of a dark evening. And they proclaim glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. Peace on earth. Very, very connected to this idea of this deep, lasting, complete rest. Peace on earth. It's what we are all seeking. It's what we're all looking for. And that is what Jesus came to bring on that first Christmas Man, Jesus' mission was to bring rest to a weary and burdened people just like you and me. He came to deal with every bit of unrest that are in our stories. This Christmas time, my prayer is that each one would receive the greatest gift of all. And that is this gift of rest. Rest to your soul. I'm gonna finish with one last statement from Jesus that describes this mission so well. And Tiana, you can come. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, Matthew, one of his followers, captures these beautiful words of Jesus that speak right to this. Then Jesus said, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest what a promise, what a promise, come. If you're weary, if you're experiencing unrest, he says, I get it, it's why I came, come, and I will give you rest. Not temporary, not that's gonna remove us from all of the storms of this world, but he's gonna bring rest right here to our souls. If you carry a heavy burden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest, not just from experiences, but what does he say? You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this promise. Lord, all the way from Genesis to Revelation, but punctuated by this Christmas story, it's why you came to deal with unrest not just outside of us in the world, but more importantly, in our souls. You came to heal and mend and tend to everything that would cause unrest. Physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally, you are our peace and in you we find our rest. So Jesus, I pray for my friends today. Both that are here and who are joining us online, I know that there are some even at home right now dealing with sickness and rest to you. Rest. Body, mind, and spirit. Rest. To those in this room who are dealing with areas of conflict and unrest, maybe even thinking about tomorrow and thinking about maybe being with some people who There might be some friction. There may be some unrest. Can I just speak over you? Peace. Calm. (laughs) The rest that comes from Jesus. Rest to your soul. Rest to your spirit. Rest to a racing mind that he would calm every anxious thought. True, abiding, and lasting rest. Thank you, Jesus. And God, thank you for telling us how we can get this rest. That it's not only for heaven one day, because blessed are those who die in the Lord. That's a great hope for the future. But Jesus, thank you for telling us that you came to bring rest to our souls and then we learn how to get it and that is simply by putting our trust in you. By aligning ourselves with you rather than anything of darkness or anything of the world or any hope of trying to mask temporarily the unrest that we feel. But you told us how to do that, Lord, by only those who can enter your rest are those who have put their trust in you. And so, Lord, we look at our own souls, we look at our own choices and decisions, and we have to ask ourselves, have I put my trust in Jesus alone? Or am I still trying to chase after peace other ways? Chase after rest other ways? Have you put your trust in Jesus? Friends, you should be able to know the answer to that as easy as if I asked you if you've had your 16th birthday yet. It's either yes or it's no, right? <laughs> you either have or you haven't. Have you put your trust in Jesus? And this Christmas, receive the gift of his rest by saying yes to him, by saying yes to Jesus. Friend, is today your day to receive his gift and to say yes to him. Nobody else looking around, just you doing business with Jesus. If you want to say yes to him, and you know in your heart that that is not something that you have done before, it's been so long, that there's been a lot of no's between that first yes and today, would you say yes to Jesus? Everyone's eyes closed just to give privacy and a moment between you and the Lord. Would you say yes to him? Would you, would you simply just raise your hand and I'm gonna be able to agree with you though and just look up at me and just kind of wave your hand and say, that's me. Yeah, man, I agree with you. Yes, 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 yes. Anybody else? Yes, yes. It is a forever eternal Rest and peace that starts today. That starts today, yes, Jesus. And any online, oh, I pray for you and ask for God's rest. to Enter your home, your life, your situation right now as you would say yes to the Lord. Yes, I put my trust in you. Had left for our ministry team to come forward. Because when we get ready to dismiss in just a moment, I would love for you to receive prayer. If there's any area of your life where you're experiencing unrest right now, or if you just say yes to Jesus, yes, I want to have this resolved once and for all that I am at rest and at peace in him. Come, receive a moment of prayer. And if you said yes to Jesus, we have a little gift for you. It's just a little book called Yes by the way, that we'd love to put into your hands that helps explain what it means to say yes to Jesus and to keep saying yes to him. So don't leave before receiving prayer. And listen, we're, we're beginning our year anew in just a couple of weeks. Man, I can't wait for next Sunday. It's gonna be really special as we enter a new year almost. And it's New Year's Eve day. But we're preparing our hearts and we're looking towards the future, and we have the most incredible passage of Scripture to look at together because it's about heaven. We get to the very end of the New Testament, and it's going to be just this glorious time of celebration of this year, but looking forward to a future that is secure in the Lord. I look forward to next Sunday, but Starting the very next day, right, on Monday, January 1st, you know what we're going to do? We're going to begin starting reading the New Testament again together. It's our pattern. It's what we do as a church. We just read through the New Testament each each year. And what you're going to hear in the coming weeks is that there's a number of groups that you can choose to be a part of as you... Uh, walk through this next year reading through the New Testament, you're gonna have opportunity to gather with others to talk about what you're seeing, to hear from others, to talk about questions you may have. These are beautiful things. So we have 260 journals and we have 260 groups. We have a bunch of new groups that are launching in the new year. We're going to be talking about those over the coming weeks because we really think that it's really cool when we're not only making discoveries personally in God's word, but when we get to share those with others and hear what others are learning. It's such a beautiful way to grow in Jesus. So if you don't have your 260 journal yet, We have a handful available. You can get them on Amazon. Uh, You can can just go to Amazon, put in 260 Journal, and you'll see our our journal pop up. Um, But we have some that are here today. You missed it if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago because everyone who's here got one for free. Um, But they're still really inexpensive. They're only $10 either here or um, online. And so go get your 260 journal to get ready for the new year starting in the book of Luke. It's gonna be so, so good. But friends, you are loved man, I wish I could just drop by every single one of your homes tomorrow morning just to like high five and like say, yes, Merry Christmas. But I'm doing it now. Merry Christmas.